The Book Guys Show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys to get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. With my brand new sonic screwdriver, this is Paul, the book guy always returning again with another book guy show, uh, books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. And this week we are joined by our great crew, as always, Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Sir Jimmy? Doing good. Back here in North Carolina, first day of school. The school buses are running. This is good. This is good. And uh, Professor Allen, how you doing? First day of school for me too. So far, so good. And all the way. From California, IA, uh, Padre SJ joins us. Indeed. Yes, coming from uh, California, the last day of my summer before I have to head back to the, the other coast. Nice. <laughs> so, Padre, you, you kind of flip between, uh, what are your two domiciles? Uh, I, <laughs> not two, uh, try about 18. I, I'm oh. constantly on the move. I'm very rarely in one place. In fact, this six weeks that I've been in California is, has been the longest I've ever been in one place in about 17 years. Wow. So, yeah. So has that changed since you've joined the, uh, the Twit family? Uh, a, a little bit. I, I, what I told my superiors was that I really wanted time to do the podcast right. I wanted to get to know the staff. I wanted to get to know Leo and Lisa. And so I said, look, let me move out there. Let me do my thing for six weeks. And then when I start doing the remote podcast, it won't feel so strange. It won't feel like I'm working with strangers. It's I'm working with friends just from 3,000 miles away. Now, now, I'm not saying it was you, but I was watching an NSFW uh, recently with uh, Brian Brushwood, <laughs> and I saw a robot come out, and he looked very familiar. Yeah, I, that's my hobby. So I love doing uh, technology content. But I really, really love trolling NSFW. So. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about their, their book that they, uh, later on the show, we should talk about their book that they, uh, they basically the scammed Club, into yes. iTunes. <laughs> the Diamond Club. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Uh, so I, I just came back from Fan Expo here in Toronto, Canada. And all I got to say is, yes, I got a new, new sonic screwdriver. Uh, enjoyed some time there with the, uh, the Doctor Who Society of Canada. Great people. Oh, it flips open. Oh. <laughs> they had all their Daleks there, Dalek Dreadnought, Dalek Auric, and I forgot the name of the other Dalek. There was a, uh, another very large uh, Dalek uh, Emperor. Dalek Khan? No, they had, they had the original Dalek Emperor from like, the Ooh, original wow. series. Okay. Some guy made, actually made this thing. I don't know how they got it there. They must have taken it, like disassembled it, put it on a pickup truck to get it there. Kind of cool. But um, there was a lot of stories in the paper today about how it was oversold. And I'm claustrophobic, so I'm there, and there were so many people. So I basically, I got in, I, uh, I you know, put my, uh, put my little Zoom recorder on the, uh, the John Berriman panel table, uh, got the recording there, and uh, I gave up on trying to get any other recording. I mean, I was, I was looking at getting, you know, Stan Lee and some of the other uh, geeky stars that were there, but... Uh, I really gave up on it. It was so crowded, and apparently they were oversold and, you know, like over the fire limit and whatnot. They, they sold like, you know, 8,000 extra tickets than they should have. It was really cramped, and for someone like me who's claustrophobic, I just did my thing, bought my Doctor Who merchandise, and got out. Ouch. Yeah, number I one. Heard, uh, I, I heard from someone who did, uh, went to a convention down in Sir Jimmy's way, maybe, maybe Raleigh Durham or maybe Charlotte, and, um, 
And it was one again, one of the ones that Stan Lee was at. And evidently, he is drawing huge crowds. He's oh, huge. doing the convention circuit this year. And I believe he's sort 82. of felt the same. <laughs> felt the same way. That particular one was so, so much busier than uh, than it has been in the past. And I actually considered going. There's one coming up uh, here in Columbus, Ohio, and Stan Lee's going to be at that one as well. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not all that interested in meeting Stan. I I appreciate the man. But uh, I, I understand he just brings such a huge crowd yes. to any show that he appears at. It does sort of overwhelm uh, everything else. Sounds like that was your experience. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. A fan expo was a blast. And I, I believe when I left, the only um, celebrity autograph that was signed out was, uh, sorry, sold out was uh, John Berriman. And it was actually a good panel. Uh, Professor, I'll look forward to recording an intro and extra with you. We'll, we'll put the audio out on the stream. Uh, he was just a hoot to, to, to listen to. Just a funny guy, witty. Uh, he has a couple of inside stories. Uh, we'll learn all about the tortoise. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's, uh, I'm sure he mentioned he's going to be appearing in a new show. Yeah, um, it looks like. Uh, comic book related show, the, the, green, the, the show Arrow. Yeah, it looks like they're going a Dark Knight route. Yeah, he's supposed to be a villain. He didn't spoil um, anything. He's, not, he's under good. contract to not you know, open his yap about any of it. that's the word. But uh, it looks to me, just from first glance, that. They're going Dark Knight on the uh, Green Arrow franchise. I, th- I yeah, I, th- I think that's about right. That's about my first, uh, just for, you know, cursory glance. I think they are going Dark Knight on the Green Arrow, which you, you know, you figure network executives. Well, this uh, Dark Knight is doing very well in the movie theater. Can we possibly do Green Arrow in the same dark light of it? You know, that kind of thing. So they're you know, put him in a whoa. <laughs> well, they're coming off ten years of super of um, of small Smallville. Right. So they've they've had, you know, superheroes on the on the CW for a decade now and just looking for the same success from Green Arrow, sounds like. Well, that I'm, seems I'm, to be the I'm, the formula for every reboot now. It's just let's make so and so dark and brooding. It doesn't matter if it's Superman right. or Batman or the Arrow. You know, at, at some point it it's no longer dark and brooding, it's just emo and Stubborn. Yeah. So, I think they're missing uh, the point. Uh, the, the reason the Dark Knight uh, is successful is not, I think they're missing the point. It's not because it's dark. It's not because, you know, they're going heavier, more adult. I think it's because they're treating the audience as adults. Right. So I, I don't think, you know, Green Arrow has to be a prick. It doesn't have to be dressed in black. Not everyone has to be dressed in black. It doesn't have to include so much more violence. The whole point here is that uh, they're treating the audience with respect. We've grown up now. We're still well, fans of Green Arrow, yeah. still fans of Batman, and just you know, give us an adult story. Hopefully, the success of the Avengers, which was you know the polar opposite of dark and brooding, right? Uh, that was just fun and adventurous and bright and colorful and humorous. You know, hopefully, the same uh, studio executives will look at that and say, "Oh, okay, it doesn't have to be," uh, as the father said, it "doesn't have to be emo, right? Uh, right. To be exactly. successful." Yeah, that's the whole point. It, should, it doesn't have to be emo. It just has to be treating us as adults and give us an adult storyline. And, you know, although Avengers was still, a kid can still watch the Avengers and have a good time. Absolutely. So uh, I don't know if you guys heard that big kick during the intro. It was, it was uh, our new uh, latest book guy, other than, of course, uh, Padre SJ, who will join us, I hope, whenever he can. Whenever I can. Our newest book guy is actually a girl, and her name is Sparky the Wonder Cat. And uh, I usually give her free reign of the shop here in the, in the podcast studio. 
but she was playing with the little orange button that keeps everything on. <laughs> so I had to sort of stamp on the floor to get her away from it. And well, apparently, you're in a political statement. That's right. <laughs> if, 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 if you're in the printing business at all or talking books, books and cats go together. That's right. No doubt about it. <laughs> the internet and cats just goes together in general. <laughs> When we add uh, Sparky to the to the little animation, there is there going to be a cape involved. <laughs> you see, you know, uh, the gentleman who's doing the, our intro is a good friend of uh, Brian Brushwood, Bill Meeks, and I want to thank Brian so much for hooking us up with him. He's doing a little uh, intro. I'm not going to spoil the intro for the folks at home, but uh, you know, he was in the middle of rendering it, and he got uh, all four of us into it. And I just sent him some pictures of Sparky, and I said, "Hey, Bill, I know you might be in the middle of rendering this uh, animation." I know he does it all, you know, in 3D graphics, even though it looks like it's hand-drawn animation. And he's like, oh, dude, thank you so much. I was looking for a, resp- a replacement for Wonder Dog. <laughs> so he was totally into it. He's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> well, you know, Supergirl, of course, had a, had a pet cat. And so, I mean, if, if any of you guys are willing to wear, I mean, I would say Paul already has the Superman outfit. I mean, just, you know, change those tights to a skirt and a few... Anatomical changes, and you could be Supergirl <laughs> right there, and Streaky the Wonder Cat. And Not too many you're changes. Perfect. No, minor. Now, now, Sir Jimmy, it's, I, it's I don't know how you got Aquaman, but uh, I'm told by uh, Professor Allen that Aquaman is a very popular comic right now. Absolutely, it's one of the one of the huge success stories of the DC uh, New Fifty Two. It, it's probably there c- consistently one of DC's top ten uh, wow. sellers. Uh, it, it beat out last uh, last month for the the month of July. Uh, you know, Aquaman came in just ahead of Superman and Flash and Wonder Woman and Teen Titans. Because I know originally when I was calling for all the, the some of the former now former book guys to you know kind of throw their you know hat in the ring and let me know who's in who's out. And my my threat was get me the pictures or I'm going to put you in Wonder Woman's costume. <laughs> I remember those threats. I got mine in early. That's right. But somehow and I still you, ended up with Aquaman. You still got Aquaman. <laughs> so uh, well, it's about time, isn't it? Because I mean, Aquaman hasn't had respect for you know two decades. He's always sort of been the laughable super friend who's only good in water. So finally, right. they have a decent story to him. Then they've got some decent writers and a, and a great graphic artist. Uh, oh, it's it's enjoyable. The, the books are be- The books are beautiful. Yeah. The comics are beautiful. Absolutely. I saw it, some it, of them at the Fan Expo. And i got to say, even though I'm saying that the Fan Expo was overcrowded, it was brilliant to see so many people in costume. Um, it was fantastic. And uh, Professor Alan Padre, for any of us Doctor Who fans, to, to watch, I had to line up at the Doctor, one of the Doctor Who uh, you know, uh, booths that was selling exclusively Doctor Who merchandise. And these people were making hand over fist. It was a nice Chinese gentleman and his wife. And they were just... They couldn't keep up with putting the money in the register. Well, it was, it was a big weekend for Doctor Who. They did the New York premiere. That's right. Or Saturday of, of the new episode. The new we're season only a few days away the, from all uh, the, season. Yeah, all the, all the, uh, you know, the cast was there. and mm-hmm. it, That was a big deal. So it was sort of a big, a big uh, Doctor Who weekend all the way around. Absolutely. I and then to, next week, of course, the season starts. I managed to get a um, first Doctor and TARDIS for the new set. And of course, we got the you know, got that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But what version of the sonic screwdriver is that? Does it have the red settings? Uh, no, this is the eleventh uh, Doctor. The oh, okay. 
It's got the little uh, claw that comes out. I'm working on getting the third and first. The first, I believe the first, all I have to do is find one of the old tire gauge pressure checkers. Right, right. That's all it was. <laughs> it was a little round-headed. Uh, every time you saw it on TV, you're like, they, 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 there was no creativity involved. They went to the hardware store, got a tire pressure gauge, you know, and gave it to Tom Baker, you know. And he said, what am I supposed to do with this? Just point it. It does things. That's right. We'll add the audio in post. Where I think in the new series, since the, the reboot, anyways, uh, they actually manufacture these things. Right. They have them mass produced. And when you see the doctor on TV actually holding this, it is this one. Because they figure, we're going to make a toy anyways. It's kind of smart, right? We're going to make a toy right. anyway. So they make the first batch of 10,000 and get like 30 of them. So every time Matt Smith drops one and breaks it, they just, you know, if they really have to, they can go down the street to the HMV and buy another one. Right. <laughs> well, I, I watched a Doctor Who Confidential about that, and they were talking about making the sonic screwdriver. And uh, he was absolutely adamant. He said, no, it's got to be a real prop for a couple of reasons. One, it's expensive to do effects in post. Two, yeah. he wanted the right. doctor to actually react to the screwdriver. He didn't want it. He didn't want him just pointing around an inanimate object. And, and you know, the third one was, yeah, it was going to be merchandising. So why not design it right now so that the one that people, the fans will hold looks exactly like the one the doctor holds on screen? Absolutely. And, you know, Padre, just, just because you said about reactions and Doctor Who, I'm going to spoil a little bit of the panel we're going to release on the podcast stream soon. And uh, the, someone in the audience asked John Barrowman about uh, actually being inside the blue box, the actual uh, <laughs> police box, which is actually just like a four by four uh, closet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sorry to spoil it for you kids. Uh. You shouldn't be listening anyways. Come on. Um, so he said, uh, yeah, from his time with uh, Freeman Agumon and uh, David Tennant, he said, uh, well, what happened when they were inside the TARDIS together, John, David, and Freeman, uh, John and David would fart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They would fart <laughs> up a storm. And that's why he said that in, in those episodes, we called it the TARDIS. So the poor, <laughs> poor Freeman is in there saying, ew, ew. And he actually said, you know, go back, rewatch the episodes. When you see Freema coming out of the TARDIS and looking so glad to be on a new planet, she's actually just glad to get a fresh breath of air. It's method acting. Method acting is right. So what's on, what's on the Kindles, gentlemen? Uh, nightstands, what are you reading? Let's go across. I'm going to go by Skype here. Professor Allen, you're on the left there in Skype for some reason. Uh, anything new? Well, I'm finishing up the... Book we talked about last time, the uh, Larry Ty's History of Superman. Just about, just about knocked that out. Nice. And based on your guys' recommendation, I'm now about ten percent of the way into the multi-voice audio of Ender's Game. So, so first we thoughts? talked about that last week or the week before. First so thoughts? far, so good. Yeah, Ender's Game. Love, love that uh, multi-audio. Of course, uh, again, Scott Brick, good friend of the show. He plays Bean. And he would think that, you know, Scott would be, want to be Ender, but he really wanted to be Bean because he was a fan and friend of Orson Scott Card. And uh, just, I want to go through the whole series again in audio because I read them all as books. I really want to hear the, the whole Bean series uh, as read by Scott right. Brick. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it so far and look, looking forward to continuing on with uh, some more books in the series for sure. And Padre, what's new on your nightstand? Well, I've got a couple. Um, since uh, the last time I was on the book, guys, I, I did actually start reading The Camera Guy, which uh, it's it's been fun. It's been one of these books where um, I, I'm reading a chapter and then putting it down and then coming it back, coming back and then having to go back a couple of pages. So I, I haven't had that experience in a while. Normally when I sit down, 
I read a book through and through right. and, you know, I spend eight hours just, just getting through it. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, the Audible book that I've been playing with right, has uh, Daniel Suarez's uh, Demon. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting that whole series. I, I, I didn't want to get into it too much because I didn't have a lot of time. But now that the summer is coming to an end, I, I have a bit more recreation time. And uh, that is right up my alley. And uh, the, the, uh, the Audible book quality is fantastic. It's, uh, it's engrossing. It's all about a brilliant computer pro- programmer who dies in his late 30s. Uh, he creates an artificial intelligence system that basically is scanning the papers for his obituary. And once it finds its, 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 his obituary, it starts placing itself into different systems around the world with the ultimate goal of, of you know, taking over the planet. Uh, it, it's, it's an old story, but it, it's actually it's a very fresh retelling. It's using a lot of newer technologies. And then I, I had one that was recommended to me by a friend. Uh, it's, it's actually called um, Mistwalker. The okay. Mists of War. It's sort of a magic sci-fi fantasy genre. It's it's a, the first try by this by this author, and uh, I, I actually know her, uh, so I I've got that in the back of my head. It's it's an interesting read because I I haven't done a fantasy book in a while. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of heavy tech uh, documentary or right. sort of Tom Clancy s type of reading. This is the first real sci-fi uh, fantasy fiction. I've done in years. Mistwalker. Mistwalker. Now, Padre, I don't want to scare you, Padre, but uh, you know the Damon series. It's one of Adam Curry's favorites. It's all I'm saying. I know, I know. I, well, I mean, <laughs> come on. When you, when you think about Adam Curry, he thinks that's happening right now. He thinks the drones are hovering over his house. <laughs> that, that's not science fiction, Father. That's a documentary. <laughs> it's a documentary. Oh, that's right. That's right. Now, Padre, it sounds like you're like me. It's hard to find time to read a physical book, but you can get the audios in on your commutes. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I spend so much time on planes, and what I found is I cannot read on a plane. If I read on a plane, yeah. I, my neck gets crimped, I get dizzy. So just put on the noise-canceling headsets, uh, you know, fire up the, uh, the Audible player on my Nexus 7, and uh, away I go to Fantasy World. Yeah, you know, I'm not very much of a plane guy, and I've, I've flown a lot, but I found a rhythm. It's uh, sedation and sleeping. <laughs> so I'll usually have a few drinks at the airport and nap through the whole thing. If I'm doing an, an international, that's what I'll do. I'll actually get <laughs> um, a glass of red wine and I'll find a sleeping pill and I'm out. But uh, I do a lot of cross country. And so you know, for those three to five hour trips, you, you really can't sedate yourself because then you're just groggy <laughs> as you're, you're making that's your right. connection. Uh, and Sir Jimmy, anything new? Well, I've got... Uh, a book that I've been listening to, uh, it's not exactly an audio book, but I guess it is when you're listening to people read it from the next room, right? Ah, is that the one that uh, our no-bot friend, your son, yeah. has been, uh, is, is mom reading it to him? Is he reading to mom? Is that kind of thing? Yeah, they're, they're going back and forth, back and forth. Um, and it's the oh, Tim do, Tebow do they do book. The, do they do voices? Uh, yeah, Noah does a little bit of falsetto when he has to. You That's know, he's great. Not afraid to do that. You know, that, that is one great way to get your child interested in reading is, number one, turn off their Xbox. Oh, you just said the, well, you should have seen his face. You know, no, but you know what? Just, just, you know, taking turns reading and doing voices and the narration voices and back at Book Mountain, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So let's get that. Let's get Nobot on here to talk about the, the show. We haven't talked to Nobot in a while. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Nobot. How you doing, buddy? Good. 
So tell us about the book you're reading. What's the name of the book and who's the author? We'll start with that because the authors like hearing their names. Well, it's Through My Eyes from Team Tebow with Nathan Whitaker. Okay. And tell us a little bit of what's what's the whole, uh, what's the idea of the story? What's the, the major plot there? Well, it's mainly telling about how he's seen the whole world through his eyes and what happened throughout his whole life. Okay. From from birth to So it's kind of, kind of like the yet. biography of Tim Tebow? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so far, are you, how far are you into it, uh, Nobot? Three more chapters. Three more chapters. So you've been reading with your mom back and forth out loud kind of thing? Yep. That's kind of cool. So tell us a little, a little story from the book, something interesting you heard. Well, yeah, it was... What about where he lost all those games? He only lost a few. He only lost a few? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he had a dog named Otis, and he went away for one of his um, football games, and once he was in the football game, he heard that Otis died, and it really upset him. And every time he um, has the eyeshadow like under their eyes, he writes a Bible scripture under their eye. Right. So, it's so tell, like, tell, tell us Canadians, because some of us Canadians were not big into the NFL. Tell us a little bit about Tim Tebow. Tell, tell what team he plays for. What's, what's he all about? Where did he go to college? I don't know which I have to look it up. Um, <laughs> which college? I can remember that he got accepted. He was wanted for, he was in the Florida Gators, and he was wanted for 80 colleges. Hmm. So now, so now uh, Tim Tebow, okay, and I'm, again, I'm a Canadian, so we're all about hockey and maple syrup. According, <laughs> according to your American media, we're all about the maple syrup and hockey. But uh, from what I remember from Tim Tebow, he's the NFL player who prays before every match. Yeah, and he has sometimes he gets after a game or before a game, and they all pray together. And usually they would write Bible scriptures under their eye, and one of the Bible scriptures was John 3.16. Mm-hmm. That's the same one that the people are always holding up in the end zone behind the field goal post. That's right. And Padre, can you give us a little insight here into John 3.16? Uh, no, because I'm Catholic, therefore I don't know anything about Scripture. But I'm ching. Swords into plowshares. <laughs> Swords into plowshares, my friend, yes. <laughs> uh, so nothing wrong with praying before a football match, is there, Padre? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I think uh, a lot of the, the, the controversy with Tim Tebow is his praying in public. And, uh, you know, if, if, that's what you, uh, you know, if that's what you believe in, then why, why is it a problem? I don't understand that. Well, you know, it's, we're in this weird uh, time in our society where we're, we're getting really away from PC. We're, we're sort of we, – we've hit that whiplash where right. we were so PC for a while we want to get away from PC. And so it – we we take offense at things so quickly, uh, right. and you know whereas we should be listening, we should be respectfully debating, we should be respectfully arguing with people. We we just we yell, and so you know John three sixteen is one of these things that's it's been in the end zone for as long as we can remember. Right, and the exact verse is for so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Well, I mean. 
there's nothing offensive about that. But no. now, but you have a famous person who wants to to pray it. Suddenly, it becomes offensive. It's a, it's a so, very strange so, thing. So writing John three sixteen, uh, for uh, it's a short form of saying you know uh, you know Jesus is uh, God's son, and you know it's just a short way of saying I believe in Jesus. It's right. almost like a commercial, right? But it's what he believes in, and you know, uh, I think the, has the NFL really, uh, Sir Jimmy? You have to give me some insight here. You guys, you, the American uh, book guys, you guys have numbered me now three to one. I'm working <laughs> on getting some Canadians back in the in the show here to even it out. But um, was the NFL very uh, upset at this? No, I don't. The NFL really, it, it was it was something that was talked about a lot, and you know, it was it was actually a meme that floated around the internet with people doing uh, what they called T-bowing, where you get down on like one knee and put his, you know, his hand on his uh, forehead. forehead and his elbow on his knee and get right. down on and do that. And there's like people doing it all over. Like when planking got really out of hand, <laughs> okay. all of a sudden T-bowing was the new planking. But uh, he's just, yeah, he, he's had, just basically, he had a really good season. Um, he's just genuflecting. He's just basically getting down and praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, just for like a second. Right. Second and a half, and that was it. And everybody's, you know, up in arms about it. But it was something to talk about in a, you know, somewhat lackluster season, I suppose. It was usually, <laughs> it was usually about when, like, how a winded player would get down. They would all kneel onto their knee. Like we would do in baseball, we would all kneel down. Yeah, like when somebody gets hurt and you kneel down out of respect, hoping they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I've yeah. seen that. So, so you're you're a fan, Nobot, of uh, Tebow, and you decided to read a book about his life. Yeah, it was actually for a school project we had to do on a hero. Okay. And I decided to choose Tebow, and we had to do a project afterwards after we read it. Well, it's a great thing to learn, Nobot. Uh, if there's anything in life that you think is interesting, reading a book about it, you'll just learn a lot more about it. And uh, you know, it's a great way to stay in books. Uh, you don't have to read all the books. You know, you're going to get into high school, Nobot, and they're going to shove a bunch of books in your face that may not interest you, but uh, once in a while they will let you pick one, you know, that you enjoy, and that's a great way to get into reading is, you know, pick a topic that you like. Believe me, there are thousands of books about that topic, and you'll learn a lot, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you're enjoying the Tebow biography. That's why we have audiobooks. That's right. <laughs> we all love the audiobooks because they, uh, you know, especially... You know, when you start working and you got to, you know, do stuff all day long that isn't your choice. Sometimes you have to actually work. But you can always put in some headphones and uh, even on the way home or on the way to school or on the way to work, you can listen to a book of your choice. And I usually go about uh, at least one audio book a week, if not more. Gosh, no. Where could somebody go to, to you know, really to download an <sighs> audio book? <laughs> I wish there was some sort of link that I could use, or perhaps a URL to which I could go to to uh, to find this. What did you call it? An audio book? Ah, uh, the shillage is just coming out in piles here. <laughs> of course, you can go to audibletrial.com/slash/bookguys. You can check out uh, the Audible service for one month. You get a free. You can actually get a free New York Times or Washington Post audio every month. You get uh, one or two credits for one or two books, depending on which service you pick. AudibleTrial.com slash BookGuys. And uh, actually, this week I've been listening to um, Clockwork Angels. We'll talk to, about that after uh, finish up here with Nobot. But Nobot, are, are you interested in doing any more biographies? Uh, probably uh, in the future when they shove more books in my face and I have to. Yeah. So you, you want to get back to like some, uh, some Harry Potter maybe or... 
Well, I, I brought a I brought a book home today. There was a book that we read oh, together. Um, way back. It's been several years ago. It's a book that I remember loving when I was a little kid. Uh, the Mouse and the Motorcycle. Oh yes, and, I remember and, those. Yes. Yeah. When we were uh, coming home today, his his mother and I was our last day of vacation. So uh, we went out to lunch and we stopped at Goodwill to check out books and you know Goodwill type stuff. And I found a copy of the the second book in in that series called Runaway Ralph, and I brought it home. And he was all excited. He thought I got him a copy of the original book, but uh, now it's actually the second one. So we're gonna start tearing into that. That shouldn't take long. Nice. When he used to read. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding, uh, Sir Jimmy Padre. In case you don't know, he's the uh, proprietor at Free Hollow Books, and uh, he's the evil book guy. Oh, good, good. I, I, I need I need to uh, locate the evil so I can expel it. That's right. So tell us, uh, Sir Jimmy, tell us about Free Hollow Books and what you do. Oh, I just uh, I, I take books, I glue all the pages together, I cut a big hole in the middle, and hollow it out. Yeah, hollow it out so you can hide stuff inside of it, anything you want. Uh, you know, it doesn't always have to be a gun, right? It could be like your crucifix <laughs> or your. No. Oh yeah, it can be hot pepper. Money. Yeah, <laughs> Padre. I, uh, we were doing another podcast, sir, Jimmy and I, and he he actually mailed me through the post a hollow book filled with little Ziploc bags full of pow- powder. <laughs> <laughs> All this dried up, ground up uh, peppers, different like. Uh, what? What could stuff. go wrong with that plan across international borders? <laughs> it made it all the way. I actually opened the package. I said, "How in in how did this get through the border?" <laughs> well, the last time I did something like that across the border, um, TSA was lovely. I, I got a colonoscopy, a dental exam, uh, pretty much a, a twelve point inspection. It was it was quite good. It was quite good. I love the taste of latex. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, so, Nobot, uh, you're going to stay away from the biographies for a while? Probably. Yeah. Are, are you done with the Hunger Games series, Nobot? Uh, yes, I have read the Hunger Games three times, and the rest I have read once. For um, eighth grade, my friend had to read Mockingjay okay. and had to write something on it. Okay. Um, I think they're getting ready to start filming the second second movie or something. I think they're, they actually do those here in North Carolina. Because oh. they have to use the old scene. Yeah. Very nice. And what did you think? Uh, you know, we were, all enjoyed the actors. They did a good, great job, including Lenny Kravitz and all of them. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the second and third movies as well. I think they did a good job on the first one. Yeah, it's just a disappointment <laughs> that they disclude a lot of certain parts. Yeah, like you, how you, she got the pen and... You know, you're going to find that. Here's another way to get uh, young gentlemen and, and uh, you know, ladies. doesn't have to be a gentleman, but uh, a young gentleman like Nobot. If you want to get into books, Nobot, pick a movie you really like, all right? And then tell your dad you really like this movie and see if dad can find the book that the movie was based on. Because you're going to find that each and every time when you read the book or you listen to the audiobook, you get so much more story. It'll be a 14-hour long story and it'll be full of characters and stuff goes on. And then when they make it into an hour and a half movie, you're always going to be a little bit disappointed. But sometimes if you really enjoy the movie, if you watch the movie first and then you go get the book, you'll find that, wow, this is like the movie, but more. Yeah. When he came home from school today, his mother and I were sitting on the couch watching the, the Fountainhead. Yes. Like 1949. And, uh, I, there's quite a, a few changes from the movie 
uh, in the book there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drastic. Well, thanks for joining us, Nobot. I know it's probably close to your bedtime. You're probably sleepy. You want to get back and finish those last three chapters? Well, thanks for having me, Paul. Oh, it's great to have you anytime. Anytime, buddy, you finish a book, you want to come and chat with us, you're more than welcome, my friend. Okay, thanks. Bye. See you, buddy. All right. And uh, speaking of Audible, <laughs> this, this week, actually, I got, I got this one. Uh, I get uh, books on CD all the time and books mailed over here to the studio. And um, this one, I woke, I opened up the box and I went, what? There's an audiobook? And uh, this one is... Science Fiction. Uh, play, uh, it's gonna get, not going to get more Canadian than this, gentlemen. Uh, I'll play a little music here in the background. If it'll work. There we go. So I open up the box, and I'm looking at this one audiobook, and it's got this uh, red background with this really funky clock. I said funky, Padre. Funky's fine. Funky Same. works. Funky's okay. <laughs> and I go, well, why is there a Rush album inside my audiobook uh, package from uh, Brilliance Audio? And I had no idea this thing existed. Now, uh, for us Canadians, one of our big bands here, rock bands, legendary, is uh, Rush. And uh, Rush had just put out their, their 20th studio album called Clockwork Angels. And uh, when I saw the logo, I said, well, why would they include you know, an album in here. And apparently this is Clockwork Angels, the novel by Kevin J. Anderson uh, from a story and lyrics by Neil Peart. Uh, Neil Peart being, of course, the drummer for Rush, sometimes considered probably one of the best, if not the top 10, in the top 10 uh, drummers in the world. And uh, first of all, first thing, he reads the audiobook, which is awesome. Neil Peart does. Uh, second thing, I didn't know his name was Neil Peart. <laughs> Everyone in Canada calls him Neil Pert. Even when Family Guy did the uh, rather rude uh, <laughs> cartoon, uh, you know, they did a little joke yep. with Chester Cheeto and he was snorting uh, Cheetos and uh, he said Neil Pert is the best effing drummer in the world. He still pronounced it Pert, but of course to hear Neil Peart, <laughs> you know, reading the audiobook, and he's actually pretty good at reading it. Uh, you know, he obviously must have pronounced his own name right. So now I know Rush's drummer, the best drummer in the world is Neil Peart. Uh, I've actually got a little clip from the book here. I, I took my own clip because, you know, when we rely on Audible's uh, previews, we never get uh, a good one because Audible seems sometimes to pick a random part of the book. So I'm going to play a little clip here. Brilliance Audio presents the unabridged recording of Clockwork Angels, the novel by Kevin J. Anderson, from a story and lyrics by Neil Peart, performed by Neil Peart. Prologue. Time is still the infinite jest. It was. All that and more. A good life, too, though it didn't always feel that way. From the very start, I had stability, measurable happiness, a perfect life. Everything had its place, and every place had its thing. I knew my role in the world. What more could anyone want? For a certain sort of person, that question can never be answered. It was a question I had to answer for myself in my own way. Now that I look back along the years, I can measure my life and compare the happiness that should have been, according to the watchmaker, with the happiness that actually was. Though I am now old and full of days, 
I wish that I could live it all again. Yes, I've remembered it all and told it all so many times. The events are as vivid as they were the first time, maybe even more vivid, maybe even a bit exaggerated. The grandchildren listen dutifully as I drone on about my adventures. I can tell they find the old man's stories boring, some of them anyway, some of the grandchildren, I mean, and some of the stories too, I suppose. When tending a vast and beautiful garden, you have to plant many seeds, never knowing ahead of time which ones will germinate. So I'm not going to play a you know 500-minute clip here, but uh, it's it's a story based on the uh, the songs in the Clockwork Angels uh, album. So uh, Neil Peart, who does most of the lyrics for Rush, uh, in this case the 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 album is has a theme. Every song in the album tells the story of the Clockwork Angels, and it's basically about a world where the 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 clockwork it's a clockwork world. So we're talking you know steampunk, that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, and and our hero is young Owen Hardy from the village of uh, Barrel Arbor. And he dreams of one day seeing the, the big city. He's from a small town, and he's a, he tends a, an apple orchard. And uh, it's kind of a world where everything has its place, and every place has its, you know, everything is in, uh, in, in order, in clockwork order, uh, all run by the watchmaker. And, and, and it seems to be uh, allegorical. I won't uh, uh, pose any theories as to what the allegory is. I'll leave that up to the reader. But uh, it's about a world that runs like clockwork, and there are the evil anarchist wants to uh, take a chunk out of this world. He wants people to have freedom to make their own choices. Uh, and in this world, the watchmaker himself runs everything, and everything runs on time. You know, the trains all run on time, etc. And uh, young Owen Hardy ends up joining the traveling circus. <laughs> and so far, I'm about three quarters way through the book, really enjoying it. Uh, Neil Peart, for a rock band drummer, seems to do a pretty good job of narration. Uh, I'm sure that the folk, uh, folks at Brilliance Audio have uh, you know, coached him well through his sessions, but uh, wow, I was really surprised to hear uh, Neil's voice uh, so well, uh, telling the story so well, and uh, really enjoying it. I'll probably come back and talk about this when I'm done the book, but uh, if you are a fan of Rush, which if you're Canadian, there's a 95% chance. <laughs> if you're into classic rock, there's a 95% chance that you're into Rush, and... Uh, it really it is. sounds fascinating, and uh, I have to say that at first he has a wonderful voice for reading a book. It's that that smooth, Absolutely. honey, silk-like <laughs> voice that uh, I could listen forever. Two, I, I, just addressing the allegory, I, I, I can say that yes, it's true. Utopia is very, very boring. Uh, and three, it would be I think the music that was playing behind that at the beginning, ninety ninety-five or so percent of it sounded exactly like some of the music from Halo 3. I'm just going to throw that out there as a video gamer. I think Rush could make a great Halo soundtrack. <laughs> yes, he could. There are times in the audiobook where that, that, that calm music, you get some nice drums behind it, and you're like, yeah, you know Neil had to throw that in. <laughs> but I've, 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 I've probably read 15 books by him, uh, Kevin J. Anderson. He's written extensively in lots of other worlds. He's written some Star Wars novels. Uh, that I've read. He's written X-Files books that I've read. Dune. He's written a ton of Dune yes, books. Yes, he's, he's one of, those, of the Dune. He's done a, a bunch of the Dune, uh, Dune novels. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed, he, he wrote a really great um, sort of sci-fi, you know, uh, epic, a seven book 
uh, original, you know, totally original uh, series called The Saga of the Seven Sons. That was really, I thought, very strong. Oh, we have to talk uh, maybe after the show because I definitely want to get some more Kevin Anderson after we uh, mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. I finish this. But definitely, if you are a fan of Rush, if you're a fan of the new album Clockwork Angels, uh, definitely one you, uh, you want to pick up uh, on CD or at audibletrial.com slash bookeyes, of course, as always. Um, definitely, it really, uh, after reading this book uh, or, or three quarters way through, I'm re-listening to the, to the album and uh, now it really glues the whole album together because uh, it really does tell the tale of the Clockwork Angels. It's brilliant. Right. Yeah, Rush always had sort of a sci-fi and fantasy vibe. You know, a lot of the classic rock or metal bands in the 70s yeah. and 80s. And I'm not sure if Rush, it was, Rush was one of the strongest. I'm not sure if it's Neil Peart or, or Kevin J. Anderson in the writing of this. I know uh, it's based on the lyrics right. of Neil Peart, but uh, they do go back, and, and I do catch myself once in a while in the book, uh, they'll make reference back to Rush lyrics, you know, I will choose free will, that kind of thing. Uh, the, right, lots right. of uh, tiebacks to previous Rush songs, and they've always been into the fantasy genre as many classic rock where, you know, like Led Zeppelin and, uh, you know, Tolkien, uh, and Rush has always been into that, of course. Right. But definitely, if you're a fan of Rush, fan of the new album, Clockwork Angels, you got to check out the audiobook. Uh, actually, I one of my one of our print customers here at the shop... Uh, big rush fan he's like oh that's awesome i never i didn't know that existed he goes when does it come out i'm like it comes out september 1st <laughs> he's like i have to have it now <laughs> you know so that comes out september 1st clockwork angels the novel uh performed by neil peart peart and folks rush fans it's not pert it's peart just saying and gentlemen we're gonna move on it's a great book uh i'll come back when i'm finished it and we'll talk a little bit more about it but we have to move on to news ah here we go actual paper you know with all the technology in front of me the starship enterprise studio here i still print everything out speaking of tolkien hobbit writer tolkien gets his own crater that's right the much revered crater of classic fantasy epics of course lord of the rings the hobbit now has his own crater on the planet mercury named after him it's kind of a small one though gotta say <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd take a crater on Mercury. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> about half the size of uh, Proklo- Prokofiev's. I'm not sure what Prokofiev did, but... And and compared to your craters <laughs> that have been named after you, Paul? Uh, I, my craters were on my face when I was 16 in high school. <laughs> that's, that's as they far as... They seemed almost that <laughs> uh, The BBC tells Joan Bakewell that a George Orwell Memorial Trust statue that they were going to put outside the BBC's new headquarters is too left wing. They do Mm. not want, the BBC does not want the George Orwell statue just outside their offices for some reason. (laughs) Just saying. If you're a news organization. The the Ministry of Truth does not want to be reminded that they're the Ministry of Truth. That's that's right. Is is there a Ministry of Irony? That's right. (laughs) Hey now. I, I guess, hey now. <laughs> he is a handsome man, I gotta say. He's got this funky mustache, nice haircut. Why not? Come on. Come on, BBC. Get a sense of humor. I know, I mean, it's not as bad as if uh, you were to put a George Orwell statue outside of the CBC uh, building here in Canada, right by the CN Tower in Toronto. The worst kept secret in Canada is that uh, the, the new CBC building they built about, I don't know, it was probably eight, nine years ago, also houses our... Uh, Kind of our CSIS, our, our sorry, our CIA, our uh, CSIS. 
uh, is also housed in the CBC building. So in Canada, it might be a little bit more ironic if you were to put uh, George Orwell outside the, the spook building. Just saying. Sorry, CSIS. Everyone knows. <laughs> Actually, when I, when I was working in television uh, probably about 20 years ago, uh, it was the worst kept secret because uh, I was picking up some set pieces for YTV over at the CBC, and I was in at the uh, at their carpentry shop. And <laughs> right away, you know, the carpenters come over. Hey, you know the new building for the CBC? Hey, we, it's it's for CSIS too, man. We built this room, interrogation room. We built all these things. So <laughs> they obviously didn't do a very good security clearance on all the guys who actually built the building. Just saying. Ah, the author of the book on Bin Laden raid. Okay, so the, there's a, a book on the Bin Laden uh, raid called No Easy Day, which is written under a pseudonym, Mark Owen. Uh, the author has been outed by Fox. So uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to out him as well. But uh, 36-year-old uh, uh, SEAL Team 6 member who was in the raid has been outed by Fox, and he's not in trouble. What, and my question to you guys is, when, when we're putting people in jail for, uh, you know, ratting out the government uh, for various other things, why wouldn't the SEAL Team 6 member who was in the raid, who's giving de details about it in a book, why would he not be arrested and, you know, taken to Guantanamo? Uh, he's <laughs> probably armed, and they're afraid of arresting him. <laughs> that's a good so. point. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, Julian Assange, all he's got is a water pistol, so he's in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I know we don't get too political here on the Book Guys show, but uh, I was just you know, curious as to why all these people are going to jail and the guy who gave away all the details on the Bin Laden raid didn't go to jail. Well, it was in the script. Yeah, it might be in the script. <laughs> a good friend of the show, you guys remember Spencer Brokaw, the young, I believe he's now 14, uh, author who was on the show, the uh, author of The Impenetrable Spy. Yeah. Just today... Breaking news here. Oh, we do have a thing for that, don't we? We have a breaking news stinger, I think. Uh, if I can find it. Breaking news. Breaking news. There you go. That's for you, Spencer. Breaking news today is that The Impenetrable Spy 2, Future Dreamer by Spencer Brokaw, should be just about now on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, so 14 years old in his second book of his spy series. Gotta love it. <laughs> Sir Jimmy, you gotta get a, a pen and paper in front of that kid. You gotta get Nobat think, writing these spy novels. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be you know, give up on these lottery tickets I've got piled up here. <laughs> In Canada, we try to get the kids on hockey skates as early as possible. It doesn't really work out. A lot cheaper to buy the lottery tickets, definitely. Uh, British woman's charity calls for the burning of Fifty Shades. <laughs> oh. uh, British charity for female victims of domestic abuse is organizing a bonfire to burn copies of E.L. James' ultra-popular Fifty Shades of Grey series. Uh, the quote here, I, I can't do the, I was going to do the British woman voice, but I can't do it. Uh, I do not think I can put into words how vile I think this book is and how dangerous I think the idea, the idea is that you get a sophisticated but naive young woman and a much richer, abusive older man who beats her up and does some dreadful things to her sexually. Now, from what I've heard of the book, I haven't read it, but I don't think um, in most of the book she's not doing it unwillingly. So <laughs> right. what happens behind closed doors willingly and what happens by force, I think are two complete separate things. I think these ladies need to uh, maybe stop you know, skimming over the book and maybe read it first. 
Maybe they should just look at some of the reviews on Amazon so they could at least get an idea of what the plot line is before they create Fifty Shades of Charcoal. Right. (laughs) I just think, uh, you know, if you own the book, you have every right to burn it. Unless it's an e-book, because then that's going to pollute the environment. That's right. Burning that iPad is going to really stink up the place. But 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 Padre, you know what? If you if you own a book and it upsets you so much, you want to burn it. By all means, burn it. By all means. But uh, they want to burn other people's books, not give them the opportunity to read them. Uh, I don't believe in that. Uh, And especially if you haven't read it first. (laughs) That's not what the book's about. See, I've got a slightly different thing. I don't think you ever have cause for burning a book. Even if it's the most vile book, it's it's a book. It's a depository of knowledge. It may not be knowledge you want, but it's still knowledge. So, yeah, give it away, throw it away, put it, lock it up, but... Right, a book is a book. I, it's I for me, it's it's kind of a sacred thing. Oh, oh so you're going to have a real problem with me here going forward, I guess. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Sir Jimmy, please, we offer uh, a, a forum for all opinions. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. You know, I, there, I get a lot of people like that that think what I do is is completely, you know, one of the most evil things in the world. Oh, Destroying I see. Books. I see. But, but you know what? A lot of people who, uh, I'm pretty sure 99.99% of the people who buy your product are book lovers. Oh, certainly, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, they have to be. I mean, uh, Hidden Empires by Orson Scott Card signed. You were nice enough not to cut out his signature, but uh, when you send me that, I mean, it's one of my most treasured books. It's on my uh, shelf, and it is hollowed out. Yeah, it's yeah, not that's... like his last copy of it. No. Exactly, um, and that's uh, that's different than burning a book because you think the ideas in them are dangerous. Right. Oh yeah, I don't I don't hollow uh, books out of malice. Certainly not. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a last one here, and this one is books on film and television. A the dragon tattoo. It's back. <laughs> the girl who played with fire. The sequel to last year's David Fincher directed the girl with the dragon tattoo. Of course. Uh, won't be in theaters next year. Uh, they've, they've delayed. They have delayed. We don't know. Sony Pictures Entertainment has delayed it. Uh, I'm not sure if it has anything to do with any other movies that might you know, be you know, encroaching on its territory. Uh, but uh, the screenwriter, Stephen Zalian, still working on the script. He says nothing is going to move forward until the screenplay is nailed down. Uh, still no director attached. And, but we, I am looking forward to seeing the, the second one. I mean, I've seen the Swedish version, I've seen the American version, and I am looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, the girl who played with fire. But uh, delayed, not next year. Because looking at 2014, gentlemen. Interesting. Yes. That was a really long movie that was hard to figure out. The you know, never having read the book, my wife and I sat down and started watching the movie. We looked at each other about 40 minutes into it, and we just looked. You know, like, do you know what's going on? I said no. I, I said, to, but it's good. She said, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I enjoyed the, the Swedish version better, actually, myself. <laughs> really? Maybe, maybe something to do with the, the subtitles keeps you more uh, focused on the screen and, you know. I was completely new lost in the Swedish version, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and the, the, the U.S. version was not exactly a blockbuster to just over $100 million. At the box office, I mean, it was not a, and I think it, it cost them almost that much to make it. So, yeah. you know, this may be a, this delaying tactic may be a way of trying to, you know, knock down the budget for the next one a little bit or, or just, you know, go slow. I mean, it was not a, it was not a blockbuster hit. 
You know, uh, I have to be honest with you. The only reason I, I watched the Swedish version was uh, at the time, uh, Netflix in Canada did not have as great a selection as it does now. So, you know, go into my Netflix account. There's nothing else to watch, but I'll go to foreign films, see what's there. Okay. They're much better now. Netflix in Canada is actually pretty good. I know you guys in the States have a pretty good selection. I mean, for uh, at least in Canadian uh, pesos, it's $8 a month. And, you know, I watch three or four movies and uh, go through some, you know, I can watch some Hey Now, you know. Do any of you guys have a Roku box? I do. Oh, please, please talk me out of buying one for my wife. <laughs> I, I can't. They're fantastic devices. Oh, that's what I was afraid of. I know. They're okay. easy to use. They're inexpensive. <laughs> they're high quality. Now, I, I will say this, uh, Paul. Yes. Be, being a networking person myself, I do have a setup right now where I have a VPN. I have several VPN endpoints, one of which is in Canada. So uh, I, Hang on I, a sec, Padre. We got to do this. Just for you, Padre. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, well, I was just saying, I, I log into the Canadian VPN every once in a while when I'm watching Netflix because I get an entirely different catalog of movies when I log into Netflix Canada yes. than when I'm logged into Netflix United States. Like, I think for example, I can't get the A-Team in the United States, but oddly enough, I can get it in Canada. <laughs> I can't get, get the second season of something like uh, Nick Swartzen's Pretend Time in the United States, but I can get it in Canada. It's, yeah, Canada uh, just got the A-Team. They, they're all I'm sorry, but the, the A-Team <laughs> has to be like the best action series for a priest to watch because they don't hurt anyone. That's right. Oh, no. It's like G.I. Joe cartoons. <laughs> Thousands of bullets fired. No one was hurt. That's right. He's got to be careful, Father. I think in Canada it's the A team. A, so A you team. make sure you get the right show. So, so, right. so Padre, tell us a little about, okay, the Roku box. I know they are available in Canada as well. Uh, what are the main features of it? Like, can I stream from my PC or Mac? Uh, that's what it's designed for. So the Roku okay. box is a media streaming device. It hooks up to your television via your HDMI interface. It has a very simple remote control, hooks up to your network either through an Ethernet cable or wirelessly, depending on which version you buy. And then uh, it, it has a series of, of settings. You can add Netflix to it. You can add YouTube viewing to it. You can uh, push movies directly from your laptop or desktop. It's, it's really designed to be... Um, how do I put this? It's a device that can take what you're watching on your computer and push it up to the big screen. Right. Can you watch your iTunes content through it? No. Unfortunately, the only thing that watches iTunes content right now is an Apple device. So either an Apple laptop, an iPad, or an Apple TV hooked yeah, up to I, I got to say, Padre, I just, we got an Apple TV here for the shop. And um, basically, all I wanted was the cheapest device I could find that would uh, transfer basically videos and images to, to a TV. And We're going to use it for the studio. Just to put like the, the podcast, whatever podcast we're doing, have a logo there. And, and I didn't want to uh, dedicate a whole, you know, even a mini PC to it. Right. We got an Apple TV and it's great at streaming the iTunes content. Uh, it will stream now from my iMac, but I find that if I use any codec other than yep. MP4, it does hesitate. Yes. Which is weird because it doesn't have to. Uh, you have people who have hacked their first and second generation uh, Apple TVs. Right. And what they find out is the hardware is actually capable, if you load the proper codecs, the right. hardware is capable of giving you good quality audio and video. They just don't do it in the default pack. Why? Right. Because they want you to buy everything from iTunes. They don't want you See, I'm, I'm not sure if, that's, if it's just a, a, an update that's going to come and fix that, but I do notice that 
even when I'm displaying, because right, it's just mirroring my screen. Right. So if I'm playing something in iTunes and I mirror it rather than do another way, it'll play fine. If I'm playing like a, you know, an AVI or something else that's playing fine on my screen, it does mm-hmm. not mirror well. Right. So they might right. be intentional just to say, hey, yeah, I know you downloaded that. Maybe you shouldn't be uh, streaming <laughs> it on your Apple TV. Uh, maybe you should be trying to get it through iTunes. Could we suggest that? I, oh, absolutely. And you know what? I, I do get as much as my, con- my content from you know, uh, various sources as I can, but sometimes you can't. You can't. Is, is <laughs> like, there a way to stream podcasts like uh, through your Roku, just the audio? Well, it supports AirPlay, so that uh, the ability for Mac oh, nice. uh, devices to to stream, uh, the Apple TV can act as an endpoint. So any device, your iPad, your notebook, your desktop, yeah. should be able to just to push audio or video straight to your TV. But on the Roku, can you do that? Oh, on the Roku, oh. Uh, Maybe if you know, there's other there's other catchers that aren't you know that aren't yeah. iTunes. You can. Um, I I've been using a very nice setup that I custom made, so I don't know how easy it is for a non techie to do it. It, it might be. It may be that they developed a regular app. I just haven't used it. All right. I do enjoy the Apple TV as far as it has the Netflix on it, and uh, a lot of the services on it are pay though, like NHL. You want to watch the hockey or the NFL, you got to pay an extra, a crazy amount of money to watch it. Um, it's all licensing. And, and Padre, going back to what you were saying about Netflix in Canada and USA, uh, they're having issues with licensing because of all these big conglomerates, uh, you know, the Foxes and whatnot. Uh, licensing is now d- still done per country basis. Right. So, uh, you know, that's the whole issue with all of that. It's, it's, well, it's not even just per country. I mean, imagine this. Let's take the United States. Let's take a particular piece of content. Let's say it's a TV series that I want to, right. to watch. Right. The content owner is going to say, listen, you have to license it for each country, but now you also have to license it for each format. Uh, so yes. uh, watching it on your TV is not the same as watching it on your computer or watching it on your iPad or watching it on your phone. So you need individual licenses for each and every single one of those scenarios. Right. It's ridiculous. It should be, look, I license it, and it doesn't matter where I play it or what I play it on. If I'm licensed, I'm licensed. Yeah, and That's- I have the same problem being a Doctor Who fan in Canada. I don't wait the one year, or yeah. the, even if it's a one-week delay. I don't wait. You know I, know, I know this Saturday, Doctor Who comes back. I'm watching it. I'm not going to describe on the show how I'm watching it, but I'm watching it. Yeah. As soon as well, it comes so- out on iTunes Canada, I'm buying it. I'm paying I my dollar twenty nine. I got so fed up. I got so fed up with that that I actually I, I I did this to myself. I will not watch Doctor Who until the complete season comes out on Netflix. So I I I don't listen to Doctor Who news. Wait, I don't know wait, you have the new the series on Netflix? Yep, yep. I just wait for the whole thing because then I can I can sit back an entire weekend and just have a Doctor Who with on. It's great. I am so jealous right now because in Canada the only Doctor Who uh, you get John Pertwee and Tom Baker and that's about it. Really? Yeah, there's no new series at all on Netflix. Oh yeah, all the all the current seasons are on on Netflix. Well, not the the current current season, but all the uh, the previous seasons are on for the new series. Wow, that's a common trend in watching in watching of TV. You know, either either in, I mean, in, in some cases, I know people are waiting say to watch Breaking Bad or or uh, or Game of Thrones. Not even till the season's yeah. over, but yeah. till the series Ridiculous. is over. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm, je- I'm jealous. My my name. I told them about Breaking Bad, and they have a, 
they have Netflix and got it hooked up through their TV finally. And now they're just, they're chewing up episodes all week. And I said, you got to this part yet? Have you got to that part yet? And like, no, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Breaking Bad is another series. I, I, all of my twit friends are telling me I have to watch it. I'm waiting until the series ends and then I'm going to watch the whole thing in a go. Right. It's it, it, it's yeah. actually an amazing experience when you do, when you do that. I, I remember I I, uh, I loved the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series. I really did, and um, I just recently watched it from start from the pilot episode to the last episode, nice. and I forgot I had forgotten so many plot details, and I was yeah. blown away by how well they kept continuity through the episodes. Hey, Padre, you know uh, what's a great a great show to go back and and rewatch is uh, Arrested Development. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they planned so far ahead in that show. If you if you finished watching all of it, go back, start again at episode one. You will find at least three things in episode one that tie in with the end of the series. <laughs> it's great. I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. I have, I have an errant dog at the moment. <laughs> it's okay. I have a cat who keeps going co- towards the the power bar. Sparky the Wonder Cat. Uh, next week on the show, gentlemen. Uh, next Sunday we're recording. Uh, Phil Neeser and Jacob Hess. The authors of You're Not As Crazy As I Thought, But You're Still Wrong. Conversation between, between a devoted conservative and a diehard liberal. Uh, great guys. You know what? We've post, I've, not we. I'm not going to put blame on you guys. I've postponed <laughs> these poor guys so many times. We had the hiatus came up or the podcast studio started getting built and all this stuff. And they've been just so patient. Just wonderful gentlemen. Uh, can't wait to have them on to talk about their book where they just basically go at it as a conservative and liberal uh, it'll be a fun interview. Uh, can't wait to talk to them next week. Stick around, folks. Oh, I'm Sign sorry, I just came it. back. Are you talking about Leo Laporte and Adam Curry? <laughs> <laughs> I love how they go at it. They've got this, like, uh, it's almost scripted, it the is. way they go back and forth. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, I love how uh, the, a lot of the No Agenda listeners will pop over to Twit because they, you know, they heard about Leo and, they're, you know, and back and forth. It's great. Man, I'm a I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I subscribe let me literally to probably at least fifty podcasts. Oh. And um and I like a lot of the, you know, sort of amateur, you know, podcasts, the home the homespun podcast, but there's something about having two broadcast veterans. Yes. <laughs> you know, true. <laughs> I gotta say the the, the contrast it's between the... about them, but two broadcast yeah. professionals. The contrast uh, between Curry and, and Dvorak is just enormous and I love it. <laughs> Their, their rapport is, is fantastic. How that show does not burn down every week, I will <laughs> never know. You, you got to catch the little subtleties, the moments where, you know, Curry's basically saying, screw you, Dvorak, be right, quiet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they don't say it, but, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll hear Curry saying, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you got something better, huh? <laughs> Love it. And uh, Padre, why don't you tell us about your new podcast? You're only, what, six, seven episodes in now? I don't know how many you've recorded. We are, at, well, we've recorded nine episodes. We're seven episodes in. It's called This Week in Enterprise Tech on the Twit Network. The, Leo approached me with this idea a while back. He said, look, you know, we are a geek network. We, we're, we're doing a lot of things for consumer electronics right now. We have a couple of shows for iPad and iPod and, and Mac and Windows. But our roots are in the heavy tech. And he, sa- he said, you know, it's, it makes me sad that we don't have an enterprise show the problem is right. we don't have a host who can do enterprise and at the same time not be dry as toast because enterprise tech is kind of boring. 
Uh, so, you know, we, we, we tried it out and uh, he gave me my shot. We started our podcast on July 16th. It, it's actually been doing quite well. We were hoping for downloads in the X range. Uh, we're actually getting downloads in the X times eight or nine range. Nice. Uh, so, I mean, the, obviously there was pent up demand and we try to keep the shows in balance. So it's typically divided into three parts. We take one current news segment, one pre-produced segment that typically explains something about the network world. And then we do a case study. So there's something for everyone. If there's a, a network executive who who's just tired of listening to his IT guys and not understanding what they're saying, right. we have the pre-produced segments, which are explaining basic networking concepts. If we have the geek who uh, who just wants to know a little bit more about what enterprise technology is, that's that opening segment where we talk about what's going on in the world and why it affects people who maybe have nothing to do with enterprise computing. And then that third segment is really for the IT professional. It's sort of like, look, we're going to show you why uh, a, a customer relationship manager is important. We're going to show you why a, a, a good storage plan is important. We're going to show you why a wireless deployment plan is important. So, yeah, it's, it's one of these something for everyone, and, and hopefully we strike that balance between having a lot of fun and actually educating. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I got to say, Father, uh, Padre, after, uh, you know, being in, the, I've been in the chat room for quite a few of the live Twitch shows, you know, uh, Twit and oh, yeah, uh, Tech yeah. News Today and all, all the great stuff he's got on the network. And uh, quite often someone will say something technical on the show and you'll see all the whole chat room go nuts going, well, that's not true. You could always VPN from your own personal ISDN and, you know, throwing out <laughs> acronyms. I knew there was this pent up demand because a lot of guys watching um, you know, even watching the tech guy, you know, our, our, our tech guys themselves. And uh, yeah, I could, I could have seen in the chat room that that was definitely a, a hole in the uh, Twit repertoire that you filled quite nicely. And I think, I, I, I think not calling it This Week in Boring Tech was a really good move, too. <laughs> yeah. That was marketing genius. Avoiding uh, that name. The, the original name was This Week in Stuff That Most People Don't Care About, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was too long. It was too long, so you had to shorten it. Very nice. And uh, Professor Allen, please tell folks where they can go to your blog, the Eyes and Ears blog. Uh, it's at uh, eyesandearsblog.blogspot.com or at Professor Allen on Twitter. And that's A-L-A-N, Professor Allen. And it's, I believe it's at Padre SJ. At Padre SJ on Twitter. It's, uh, actually, you can find out what we're doing, what topics we're tackling. And it's a good place for you to suggest topics. If, if there's something that you want explained or a product that you would like to, for us to review, just drop in, leave me a tweet, and uh, I'll see what I can do. Very nice. And, of course, we've discussed already freehollowbooks.com where Sir Jimmy, he doesn't burn the books, but he does hollow them out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can follow me at freehollowbooks on Twitter or go to freehollowbooks.com. We've got to... Um, two projects right now, and um, some guy who's wanting 20 Bibles hollowed out to hold a, um, a flash drive. Sacrilege. Yeah, and, and a, a girl who's wanting a giant book hollowed out to, to hold all of her cards that she gets at her wedding, sort of like uh, the bag in Goodfellas where they put all the envelopes full of cash inside of. She's wanting a, a hollowed out book for, for that. So I got to say, sir, Jimmy, I, I don't think the Bible thing's cool, man. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. But you know, it's it's one of the most requested books. So we we are at the uh, the mercy of the uh, the consumer. <laughs> it's 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 all good with me. <laughs> okay, no harm, no foul. I believe, uh, Sir Jimmy, I've seen on your site Bibles, Korans, everything. 
Oh, everything. Yeah, there's we know no bounds. It's in your holy <laughs> book section. <laughs> That's right. As in, there's a hole in the book. <laughs> well, what can you do? Uh, again, folks, stay tuned. Next week, Phil Neeser and Jacob Hess. You're not as crazy as I thought, but you're still wrong. Conversations between a devoted conservative and a diehard liberal. And we may have some other surprises. And coming up soon in the podcast stream, uh, I believe Professor Allen, maybe Padre want to join us on that, uh, for the John Berriman uh, panel from Fan Expo. He was a hoot, I got to say. Uh, he touched on a lot of subjects, a lot of inside scoop on uh, Arrow and Doctor Who, uh, Torchwood, upcoming he didn't talk too much about that because that's still, you know, kind of undercover, right, a little right. secret, whatnot. Uh, he did uh, touch uh, a lot on being gay in, uh, in Hollywood and, you know, what's the version of Hollywood? In, you know, India, it's Bollywood. What's the version in, uh, be in, uh, in Britain? The Thames? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> BBC, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're in film and television in Britain, you're on the BBC. That's right, that's yeah, they don't call it the BBC anymore, though. They they uh, the they Beeb. call it Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey or the Beeb. Yeah, that's... <laughs> we call the CBC the Seab here in Canada. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. We will be back again next week. Same book time, same book channel. Books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. Technology, whatever the hell we want to talk about, really. My name is Paul the Book Guy, joined by Padre, Professor that's Allen. Me. They're Jimmy. And we Later. We'll do it again next week, folks. Remember, keep reading. Send us your comments. Bookguys.ca is the site where you find all our stories we post all the time. At Bookguys on Twitter. At Paul the Book Guys myself. We'll see you again next week. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel. <laughs>